morning, Gen U. Good to see all of you here today. Very good to see you. I don't have any snake stories this morning, praise the Lord. Uh, thank God. I think I've eradicated them at least for time being up there. So, everybody okay? Okay. I know when I said snake, some of you that are not familiar with Pentecostal churches were expecting them to come out this morning during the, during the music. But uh, yeah, we're not that type of Pentecostal church. Um, I mean, not, not with me as your pastor. That ain't going to happen. I'm just going to tell you straight up. No snakes. Hey, for the next few weeks, I want to talk to you about the most important subject that one that every church person and non-church person loves to hear about week in and week out, and that is money. We're going to talk about money today and next Sunday and maybe the next one. I don't know. Uh, no, we're going to talk about giving. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of questions around this. Uh, some of you may be here today going, man, I should have left earlier. Got to get or maybe I should have just stayed home today. Well, just, just hang on, okay? Um, there's a lot of different attitudes about this. Uh, there's a lot of emotions connected to the subject. Uh, a lot of the negative uh, predisposition toward pastors talking about money, you know, is brought on by abuses that we've seen. Um, lavish lifestyles of high-profile preachers as well as the outright manipulation of congregants by some members. And, and I get that. I get that. There's a lot of things I don't understand. I mean, I don't, I don't understand, even with a lot of the younger guys that are, that are coming up today, that are out there today, I don't understand why you want to wear a pair of $5,000 tennis shoes. Uh, I don't understand that. Um, but I mean, I guess if you've got $5,000 to spare and you want to spend it on tennis shoes, have at it. You know, I, I'd rather buy a gun or something. I don't know. That, that was probably not a politically correct statement. I should not have said that. <laughs> I try to be, I'm not known for that very, very well, but I try, I try to not, you know, anyway, I don't want to be offensive. You know, I understand the predispositions. I do. Um, I've been, I've been in and around church my whole life. I have not always served Jesus, but I have been uh, in church. First place my parents took me uh, 60 years ago plus. And so church has always been a part of what I do and who, we, who Kim and I are. And, and we've been ministers now for 40 years and all the things like that. And I know some of you are looking at me like, man, you're old. Uh, I'm, I'm, thank you very much. But I'm not as old as some of you. I'll just put it that way. Um. You know, a lot of times, you know, churches, ministers, ministries, they're guilty by association. Uh, I remember, <laughs> there again, some of you were not even born when, I, when this happened, but in the late 80s when the whole uh, PTL network, Timmy Swagger, Jim Baker, Marvin Gorman, all that stuff, that scandal that blew up and hit the church, hit the, the, the national media and everything else. I was a newly ordained minister when that happened. As a matter of fact, uh, the year before all that blew up, Jimmy Swaggart actually preached my ordination service uh, where I was ordained as, as a minister. And so then a year later, it all just hit the fan. And I remember going places and when someone asked you what you did, you said, well, I'm a minister. They would go, oh, are you one of that Swaggart crowd? Are you one of that PTL bunch? And I'm going, I just stopped telling people I was a preacher there for a while because I didn't want to be associated with that, but the very fact that you are, a minister, people tend to 
to push that on you. And it didn't help that they were all a part of the, we were all a part of the same denomination. Everywhere you went and everywhere I went, people would ask that question. So let me just kind of tell you how we view this at Gen U. And then I'm going to tell you, talk to you today about how discipleship and following Jesus plays into our giving. At Generations United Church, those of you that have been here for a long time, you know this. I teach one series a year on giving. It's usually in the fall, usually September, October. Tommy, when I, ta- when I brought Tommy back on uh, four or five years ago, you know, one of the things that we talked about was, Tommy, I want you to do just a little, a little nugget every Sunday when you take up the offer. Just do a little nugget and just bring some giving principle in. So Tommy will usually do, I don't know, a minute or two on giving, and you hear him do that all the time. Um, if that's strong-arming you, um, then you can be strong-armed really easily, okay? Um, you don't get hammered here. We're not going to guilt you into giving. Uh, we're not going to strong-arm you. We're not going to send you a bill uh, or an invoice. We're not going to ask you in the next couple months, what is your intention next year to give and then bill you quarterly for that amount by the time the year's out of that. We don't set our budgets that way. I, and some people may do that. That's fine. I don't, I, whatever floats your boat, that's good, okay? Our financial records are provided to our members. Nothing is hidden. Uh, if anything, we've been told that we're, we're way too open about things. Um, but when it comes to money, when it comes to finances, when it comes to giving, we try to take the same approach with giving that we do with everything else here. And that is, what does the Bible say is expected of followers of Jesus Christ regarding the giving of our time, our talent, and the money or the treasure that we have? What does the Bible say about this? What is, what is expected of us as followers of Christ? Say what? Oh, okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't have my hearing aids in, so I just heard a noise. <laughs> For this series this year, we're going to unpack two chapters in the, in the book of 2 Corinthians. We're going to look at chapter 8 and chapter 9. I'm not going to read them in their entirety. I would ask you over the next few days, next couple of weeks, just make it a part of your devotional to just kind of read through 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. Uh, I'm going to kind of hit it. There's eight things in there that we're going to cover over the next two or three weeks that really speak to the principles of giving as followers of Christ and what is expected of us. And so here, here's the first one, okay? The first principle that we have to understand, if you miss this, then nothing else makes sense. If you miss this, nothing else makes sense when it comes to giving. Here's the first principle. We belong to God and all that we have comes from him. That is the first principle. If you, if you miss that, and here's, here's where a lot of followers of Christ or believers in Christ maybe have a difficulty because they've never come to grips with the fact that God owns it all and has entrusted some to us to use to advance his kingdom, to live our lives and advance his kingdom. So we have to settle this issue. Everything we have comes from God, and we personally belong to God. Psalm 24 says this, the Lord, the earth is the Lord, the earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. In other words, every one of us, everything in the world, including our bank accounts and our jobs and everything else, everything belongs to God. We live here, so we belong to God as well, and so what are we going to do with the resources that he's entrusted to us? That's the essence of stewardship. God has given us this thing, this stuff, What are we going to do with it as we live our life here? 
Well, I've earned, I'm a self-made man. No one is a self-made person. You were created in the image of God. God made you. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knit you together. He's the one that put life in your lungs. You are his workmanship, not your own workmanship. You belong to God. I belong to God. In 2 Corinthians 8, chapter 8, this is the first thing we want to see here. Paul's saying to the Corinth, he said, the Macedonians exceeded our expectation. But then he said, they gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. The first thing they did, they gave themselves to the Lord. All things are from God and for God. And giving is an act of what? Thanksgiving to God. When you come to know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, when your sins are forgiven and you place yourself under the blood of Jesus Christ and all of your sin, past, present, and future are washed away, at that moment in time, you're a new person. How do you show your gratitude for forgiveness? Now, if I asked a question in this room this morning, I was, and I said, how many of you want to go to hell when you die? There would not be a hand that was raised. I did go when I was a young man. I did go to a Black Sabbath Barolster cult concert one night. And there was a whole lot of talk about going there. And as inebriated as I was when I went in, I didn't stay for the whole thing. And I was cold sober when I left because I don't want to be around people that want to go to hell. But if I ask everybody here, do you want to go to heaven? It'd be 100%. Yes, I want to go to heaven. I'm planning on going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. Okay. How are you showing your gratitude for having a ticket punch to get there? Well, I go to church once every five or six weeks. Okay. If you have a wife or a husband and you only tell them how much you love them once every five or six weeks, in a year or two, you may have a problem, Houston. There may be some difficulty on the horizon. How are we showing our gratitude? Giving is an act of thanksgiving to God. For what? Because he first gave to us. God so loved the world that he gave. That was his first action towards humanity was a giving action. How are we reciprocating that kindness and that grace? God enriches us for generosity, which results in thanksgiving to God. And if we understand that it all belongs to God, we know that when we give, we're not giving something that belongs to us, but rather we're returning a portion of what God has entrusted with us. And I've already said this, but I'm going to repeat it again before we move on to the second principle. And that is this, this is the most important thing to understand regarding giving. You might say that understanding that it all belongs to God first unlocks the key to a life of unbelievable generosity in many, many areas, if not all areas. It belongs to God. The second principle. We've got to make the basic decision to serve God and not serve our money. Money was never meant to be a taskmaster. It was never meant to be a Lord. Money was never meant to be the thing that lorded over us or that we worship. Money is a tool that we use that we've been entrusted with to give back to God and advance his kingdom. That's what it's for. Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one, love the other, or you're going to devote it to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 
What did, the, what did the Macedonians do when he was speaking to Corinth? He said, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord. Now here's, here, but here's the kicker when it comes to uh, deciding to serve God and not money. Jesus said this to us. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then the, the other stuff will be added to you. So what does that mean? If you've been around here a long time or any length of time, you've heard me say multiple times, what we seek first organizes our life. Well, you always talk about that in terms of calendar. I'm going, well, let's talk about it in money. If God gets the first, whatever you choose to give, you get paid once a month, twice a month, every week, however you get paid. If the first thing that you do is sit down and go, I'm giving out of what God has entrusted to me this week, I'm giving him some of it. I'm returning it back to him. Before you do anything else, then what are you putting first? You're putting God first in the area of your finances. God begins to organize the priority of how we spend and how we live and how we save and how we do all the things that we do. That's the way it works. Whatever you seek first organizes your life. So we've got to make the basic decision to serve God and not serve the money or serve the bank account or, or even the job for that matter. Number three, third principle. We give in order to A, learn to honor and trust God. Going back into the Old Testament, and some of you may say, oh, now he's going to talk about the tithe. Well, you've got to mention it because it's, it's kind of like the Bible. Okay, so you got to talk about it a little bit. So let's talk about it. Deuteronomy, here it talks about we give in order to learn to honor and trust God with our finances. Deuteronomy 14, be sure to set aside a tenth of all your fields produced each year. Eat the tithe of your grain, new wine and olive oil, and the firstborn of your herds in the, in the flocks, in the presence of the Lord your God, and at the place he will choose as a dwelling for his name, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. The reason God instituted the tithe, and, and by the way, let me tell you this, you know, well, we don't live under the law. Tithe precludes the law. It was before the law. You see the tithe operating in the book of Genesis, early Genesis. Abraham practiced the tithe. Law hadn't even come into being yet, but the tithe was practiced there. Well, the tithe is a tenth. Some of you are sitting here, some of you, and I've had conversations with you. I'm not beating anybody over the head. I'm not saying that you have to tithe. I'm not saying that. I'm saying God instituted it before the law as a means to honor him and show that you trust him in the area of finance. Well, if I give 10% of what I, what I earn, I ain't going to have anything left. Well, now listen to me. Basic math says if you give 10%, you still have 90. Now, I'm... I'm not the greatest math guy, but tithing doesn't use algebra and geometry and all that stuff. Thank God. Because when you start adding number, letters with numbers, I get all messed up. But if I, I understand this, that if God gives me 100% and says, hey, just return 10, 10% of it, that means I have 90% left over. You say, well... I just don't do that. Okay, let me tell you our story quickly. Now, Kim and I are older than a lot of people in this church. I get it. And a lot of us have been around church our whole life. We were indoctrinated with the tithe when we were younger, so we practiced it. And I'll just be honest with you. I'm not going to argue with you if it's a New Testament or Old Testament principle. I'm just going to say it's easy for me to do the 10% and the 90% and understand that because that's just easy, very easy math. 
And so we practiced it our whole life. That's what we do. As a matter of fact, the first, on January 1, every year, board of directors knows this, on the January 1 of every year, I give our full, our full tithe for the entire year back to the church. That's the way Kim and I operate. Now, we do above the 10. I'm not telling you this, go, oh, look at our little pastor. It ain't about that. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you to do something that we don't practice ourselves. And I'm telling you straight up, whatever you choose, and you're going to see in just a few minutes that it's about purposing in your heart what you're going to give. We choose to do the tithe. That's what we do. But I have watched now, Kim and I have been married, we'll be married 40 years in just a few months. And I'm going to tell you straight up, I have watched God time and time and time again multiply the 90 to a point that, would have, that we, could have, we couldn't have figured it out with 100, but he takes the 90 and does so much more with it than we could ever do. Because that's how God is. When you learn to honor him by saying, I do not serve money, but money's going to serve me and I'm going to give it back to my God because he's given it to me. We honor God that way. And then we say, Lord, I trust you to take the 90% that's left and meet the needs of my life. And he goes, that's easy. Because I can tell you the 90 goes farther than the 100 will ever go. That's just what we do. That's what we do. But it is about learning to honor and trust God. Well, I don't know. Look, just, just start somewhere. Well, maybe I can do $5 a week. Then do $5 a week. Do it. I can't do that much. Do, do a quarter. Do something. Start somewhere and say, God, I want to experience, I want to honor you and I want to learn to trust you. So I'm going to, the first thing, I'm going to, I'm going to do something back to you financially when I get paid. And here's what I can promise you. You'll never miss it. And there'll always be enough. Unless you're stupid. I mean, there's a lot of people going, I'm going to give this to God expecting a thousand-fold return. I'm going to go buy a new truck. They go buy the new truck. Go, oh, God, you provided this. And God's going, you couldn't afford the one you had. Why did you buy that? Not on me, dude. It's on you. But I tithe. He goes, still not on me, on you. So about stewardship. Everybody good? Start somewhere. Number th the, the second thing, we give an order to what? Advance God's kingdom purposes. The same way, 1 Corinthians 9, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel receive their living from the gospel. Philippians 4, as you Philippians know in the early days of our acquaintance with the gospel, no one of the church shared with me a matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. And we're going to hit that here in just a minute. I have received full payment. I am amply supplied. They're fragrant offerings, acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. We advance God's kingdom purposes. At Genu, as a corporate body, 10% of everything that you give and your non-designated funds, every time you give, it's not designated somewhere. 10% of that goes into a separate account and it is spent on the outside of Generations United Church. We support 40 to 50 different missionaries and ministries around the world. We support our local benevolence organizations heavily. 
Not to mention that if you have a personal need at times and you need a little bit of help to get you through a very, very difficult time, you sit down with Pastor Jeff and Pastor Jeff talks with you and we will help you. What I'm saying to you is this, we're not telling you to practice something that we don't practice corporately. And I can tell you down through the years, we've had some very, very lean times at Generations United Church. But in every case, in every time, we've never missed a payment on anything. We've always paid our bills and there's always been just enough. Why? Because we put God first. We honor the Lord and we know that that money is used to advance God's kingdom purposes. Internally, when you come here, how many of you like air conditioning in the summertime? <laughs> Praise Jesus. I believe that air conditioning advances the kingdom in Florida. <laughs> you like nice chairs. You like a nice building. You want somewhere where your children can be ministered to. You want somewhere where your teenagers can be ministered to. You like to be a part of small groups. Those things just don't happen because we have a building somewhere. Your giving enables us to do those things. A week from tomorrow night, we're gonna, we're gonna touch the lives of somewhere around 10,000 people on this campus. Why? Because you gave your finances, you gave candy. Is that really, yeah, that's, that's, it, that's a part of it. And you're giving of your time. And almost, could be more, I don't know. We've had as many as 10,000 people up here on a, on, on a Halloween night. Well, if you change the name, look, look, listen to me. Don't get wrapped around the axle. Well, that belongs to the devil. It does not. Amen. Every day belongs to the Lord. Yes. Every day belongs to the Lord. So don't get wrapped around the axle. Oh, that's a heathen holiday. It ain't a holiday, number one. We all got to work. <laughs> Kids are in school. But the other side of this is, it is our job, what the devil has stolen, to leverage that, redeem that, and turn it into something good. And that's what we're doing. Amen. And we do that because you give. Amen? So sign up. <laughs> sign up. There's an orange card somewhere. Sign up. If not, go to the hub. This, number, the third thing we do, we give in order to what? Store up treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, again, when Jesus is talking, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. When you give that way, when you return what God has entrusted to you that way, you're not only doing something on this earth, but you're also putting something forward. You're redeeming the time, you're redeeming the finances, and you're storing up treasures in heaven. God sees those things. It's connected to you. Remember, remember what Paul said to the church there in, uh, in Philippi. He said, he said, I want you that I desire, I want what is credited to your account. That's in heaven. That's in heaven, storing up treasures. And then the, the, other, the last reason that we give is because we want to give to help those that are in need. We want to help people that are in need. At the present time, 2 Corinthians 8, your plenty. Now look, notice this. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Our goal is equality, recognizing that you give to help those that are in need, but also they receive so that at some point in time, when they get back on their feet, they can give and you may need a little help. 
That's the whole, that's the way it works. We help people that are in need. Jesus actually said this in the sermon. He said, when you give to the needy, Proverbs 19, whoever is kind to the poor, lend to the Lord and he will reward them for what they've done. Galatians 2, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing that I had been eager to do all along. One of the things that you're going to hear a lot about come the first of the year is how Generations United Church will begin in 2023 to ramp up our efforts in our local community. We're starting, we're going back over, we're going back to El Salvador on our mission trip to build a school down there, another school down there. But we also want to do more in our local community. We want to be able to reach into our community because there's a, do you know that there's people in Niceville that don't know Jesus? There's people in Okaloosa, Walton, Santa Rosa County, they don't know Jesus. But also there's a whole bunch of people that doesn't know Generations United exists because we're not out there in the community. We are going to begin to expand our influence in this community and the surrounding areas. So what are you going to do? I don't know. Don't know what it looks like yet. I just know it's an itch that I haven't been able to scratch for about six or eight months. Staff said this morning going, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, we've been talking about it and we're going to move into our community and we're going to touch people with the love of Jesus Christ. Are we going to preach on the corner? We're going to have a crusade or something? No, we're just going to love people. You're just going to find a way to love people and touch people at their point of need. That's, that's the way it is. And that's about giving. And here's the last thing we're going to cover tonight, this morning. The fourth principle that we see in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is this. That giving should be in proportion to our income and our opportunities. The beauty of the tithe, and there again, I'm not, I'm not hammering this, I'm not trying to get you to I'm, I'm just telling you, the beauty of the tithe is that everybody's on a level playing field. Percentage is the same. But I'll tell you this, the tithe, if you look in the New Testament, it, it doesn't necessarily teach in great detail about tithe, but it actually tells us that's a baseline. That's where you start if you can. So I, I don't see how I can. Okay, here's the other side of this. Financial, financial giving is the only place that God says, Test me. Try me. Try me. Do 1%. See if I want to increase it so that you can, you can increase the two. It always works. Well, now I'm a mathematician. Hey, look, I'm going to tell you, tithing will mess up a mathematician. <laughs> Giving to the Lord messes up a mathematician because it never looks right on paper. But we're not talking about paper. Oh, but we're, we're coming into a recession. I don't think we're coming. I think we're kind of in one. You've been to the grocery store lately. It's expensive to eat. And now gas is going back up. All this kind of stuff. Oh, what are we going to do? Well, here, here's what I know. God's economy is not connected to the United States economy or the world's economy. It's a different, it's a different level. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And the way he does things is not connected to the, the economy of this world. I mean, he, he, owns, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Hey, he, he owns the cotton picking hills. He owns it. He's going, I don't know what you're scared of. You're my kids. I promise you that none of my children 
will ever be left without. None of my children will ever, ever be out begging for bread because I'm going to take care of my children. As we honor the Lord and we trust God, we understand that God takes care of his kids, his people. But we give in proportion. 2 Corinthians 8, I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. 2 Corinthians 8, 12, for if the willingness, and here's what I want you to see, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I'm not the guy that's going to stand up here and tell you that if you'll send me $1,000, that you're going to find $10,000 in your mailbox. I'm not going to tell you that because I don't, I ain't going to do that. We'll talk a lot about the prosperity stuff next Sunday, but I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of scam. There's a lot of jack wing stuff that's going on out there in the area of biblical finance. that's not biblical whatsoever. I'm telling you, you look at what God has entrusted to you and you purpose in your heart according to what God has given you, what you will give. And you do that according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. That's how we give. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 16. Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Well, I can't give as much as so-and-so. Okay. Well, you don't have the same income. It, it doesn't matter what somebody else is doing. This is not about somebody else. This is about each one of us as followers of Jesus Christ settling in our heart. What are we going to do with what God has given us? How are we going to honor him and trust him in the area of our finances? And if you'll notice this morning, we've already taken up the offering. In a lot of places... We do this, then we take up the offering because that would be guilt. You ever noticed? It doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a missions organization. They have, we have these little children in third world countries that are starving. Their bellies are all swollen. They've got flies buzzing around them. Those are the pictures that they show when they're trying to get you to give. It's very effective. Now we've got these commercials about the animals. Snowing, little dogs, got all chains, they're sitting there, you know. Your gift of $15 a month will save this little dog. Great. I don't want to see a dog hurt like that. I don't see an animal hurt like that. I don't. All I'm saying is, that's a methodology that's used. It's just not used here. We're just going to tell you, here's the deal. You've got to settle it. You've heard the first four principles. We'll deal with the next four over the next couple of weeks. You've heard the first four. What are you going to do with what God has entrusted to you? How will you return the time, the talent, and the treasure that God has placed in your life? Amen? Let's stand. Just so you know, it's 10 minutes till 11. Father, today, before we partake of your table, Lord, I just pray that you would illuminate 
these giving principles, these giving truths into our life, God. Show each of us personally. Impress on us, God. Let us, as we look at what you've entrusted to us, what are we doing with that? What portion of that are you asking us to return to you? Then I pray, God, that you would loom large. And God, for those that have never done this before, God, that are going to begin over the next few days, they're going to begin this journey. Father, I pray that you will reveal yourself to them in ways that they never imagined. God, as we seek you first with our, with our finances, that we understand that that organizes our finance. If we put you first, everything else falls into place. And there's always enough. So do your work in our lives. Teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your communion. I know some of you are probably wondering, are we supposed to do that at the end of singing? Surprise. Take out the bread and just raise it this morning. Jesus, we give you thanks this morning for your broken body. We take time before we leave this service, God. We take time to honor and to remember the sacrifice that you made for us. And we give you thanks for your broken body. Shall we eat together? Lift the cup. Jesus, this cup represents the new covenant in your blood. And we are grateful today that all of our sin, past, present, and future, is wiped clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks this morning, Jesus, for all these things. Shall we drink together? I love you, Jen. You, Pastor Tommy's coming to close us out.